You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom football fans? You are back on another edition of The Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dubengeiser. I'm joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, we're recording this on a Monday evening. Yesterday, we got to watch the Kansas City Chiefs go into New Orleans and get a three-point victory over the Saints in a very tough battle and one that we kind of thought it was going to be a close one, but they uh, they got the job done. They went into the uh, Big Easy, and they got a big win down there. Now, I think that it's just interesting how the whole game played out, but I mean, the Chiefs are the best team in football. They are the best team in football. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things and a lot of people talking about all this different stuff and kind of saying, oh, yeah, the, you know, the Chiefs could really be challenged in, you know, by the Browns, by the Titans, by the Colts. Um, You know, the Bills are the best team in football now. And all this stuff is being said. And I just, I don't, I don't know when. Um, people are going to figure out like, or what's going to be good enough for them. You know, they're they've won twenty two of their last twenty three games, including the Super Bowl. They just went to New Orleans and beat them with a third string right guard playing right tackle. They went to Miami, who was supposed to be the best defense in the NFL, had four turnovers, still scored over thirty points and beat them. They went to Buffalo, beat them. Um, I just I don't know. <laughs> What they're gonna have, you know, it's they they win six games in a row by less than six points, but that's not good enough. When you're the defending Super Bowl champion, you're gonna get every single team's best shot. Those are against good football teams like the Saints, but you know that's not good enough. I just I I just it blows my mind, and I don't know if it's people just trying to you know make <laughs> you know the clickbait stuff to get people talking or whatever, get people to come to their site, um, or or what it is, but it's. It, it kind of just it drives me crazy, and it's a little nuts to me to think that. And like, could the Chiefs lose in the playoffs? Yeah, of course, anybody could lose in the playoffs. We just watched the Jets beat the Rams the other day. Like, anything is possible. But if you don't think that the Chiefs are the best team in football and have been by quite some margin because of Patrick Holmes and and other things, um, I, I just I don't I don't understand that. It's a special special thing for a team to be able to go. 8 and 0 on the road in any season more and nonetheless you know I know there's no crowds in these stadiums but it's still the whole travel process and having to do the covid protocol on the road to me that makes the build up of these road games more difficult than the actual games themselves so credit to them credit to the coaches and the entire organization but I think most of these people are just trying to get clickbait they're concerned about trying to get more views for themselves when in reality if you even watched this game on Sunday again it wasn't the case of the Saints being good which let them back into the game it was the case of what the Chiefs failed to do or the mistakes that the Chiefs made that led to it being a close football game now give credit where credit's due the New Orleans Saints have a very tough defense one of the best in the NFL that's not the first tough defense like you mentioned you know the Chiefs have gone into Buffalo 
They've gone into Tampa Bay. They've gone into so many places this year and come out victorious. And, you know, now they might not have another road game. And they're not going to have another road game now more than likely until the Super Bowl. And that is most definitely huge that they could be getting ready to have four home playoff games, not four playoff games, but two regular season games and then two playoff games at Arrowhead Stadium if they could keep their streak going. But it's absolutely an incredible and special thing to win eight games on the road and also to be able to take care of the kind of the level of caliber teams the Chiefs were able to take care of on the road this season. Yeah, it's it's just remarkable what they've done. And to just kind of give you more context of that, Matt McMullen of the Kansas City Chiefs, who tweets out all these awesome stats, and I actually got a few I want to run through on the spot today. He tweeted out one that said that it's the he, that the Chiefs are the only the eighth team in the NFL um, to do it since the 16 game schedule was introduced in 1978. So in five of those eight opponents, they have winning records. It's just, it's remarkable. And they've won 11 straight road games dating back to last year. So what what they're doing now is, is not been done very often. And it's just one of those things that they just keep setting records and they keep doing all this stuff. And it might not be sexy to say, Hey, Kansas city's the, the best team in football and, and this and that, but they are, they just are. Um, let me go through some of these other things. I, I don't know if you've seen these yet or not, Caleb, but Matt McMullen put them out on Twitter and I just, I got to share it because I want, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, if you're not on Twitter or whatever, there, there's just some remarkable stuff that, that he tweeted out for some of these, these guys. So Mahomes threw three touchdowns um, for the 25 first time in his career on Sunday. That is, um, he did that in 45 starts, which is three plus touchdowns and 40% of the time. So he's just the third quarterback to throw for 110 plus touchdowns through four seasons in NFL history. So remarkable. Um, the list of guys to tally 95 plus catches, 1300 plus yards and 10 plus touchdowns, um, multiple times since 2018. Here's the list. Travis Kelsey. Only one. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Tyree Kill is just the third non-running quarter, non-running, non-running back to score 17 plus touchdowns in those single seasons, joining Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski. If he gets one more touchdown, um, he'll pass Dwayne Bow for most receiving scores in a single season by a Chief. So another record. So Legarius Sneed is the only player in the NFL this season to tally a sack and interception and three-plus passes defensed in a single game. So he's an absolute stud, kind of what we've been talking about on this. Um, The Chiefs held the Saints to just 1 of 11 on third down yesterday. It's the first time the Saints converted one or fewer third downs since 2012, and that the Chiefs have 13 wins on the year, matching the franchise record for a single season and doing so for the first time since 2003. So they have a chance to beat that record coming up here against the Falcons. But I, I had to share some of those stuff because really it's just another another line of just remarkable things that they're doing. You know, Mahomes is is breaking records, but this team is breaking records. And these players, all of these guys are just setting setting crazy records and making history as they, they go on this crazy winning streak and crazy, I don't know, 23 game stretch that they've been on so far. It's been unbelievable, and that's why I don't hop on to the uh, the section of fans, and even there's some Chiefs fans or whatever that they're on, that the Chiefs are vulnerable. The, 
you know, they can any team can get beat, but it makes me sleep easy knowing just the level of talent that the Chiefs have at any level or at every position on the field. And you go and look at it, you know, Legarius Sneed is a true rookie. If he'd been healthy, I can say he's probably in conversation for the defensive rookie of the year right now if he stays healthy the whole season. And then you go over to the offense and Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and, of course, Patrick Mahomes. They're doing things nobody else has done. And, you know, people. a lot of people will say, you know, yeah, they're still getting in these close games. How are they getting in all these close games with all these outstanding football players? Uh, here's a couple of numbers for you. This season, the average margin of victory in the NFL is about is about five and a half points, if I'm remembering correctly. The Chiefs' average margin of victory is the highest in the NFL at about 8.9 points per game. So for people to say the Chiefs aren't winning by enough or they should be blowing people out, they're winning these games by the most points of anyone in the NFL so far. So that kind of dispels that notion that they should be winning blowouts. Also, I think sometimes people forget just because the Chiefs are so awesome doesn't mean there's not a lot of real other really good teams in the NFL. But here's where I'm going with that. You know, maybe a couple of seasons ago, this New Orleans Saint team this year, maybe we'd be talking about them as the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Maybe we'd be talking about the Buffalo Bills as the favorites to win the Super Bowl right now. But you know what's holding both of those back? The fact that there is a force we have never seen before in the NFL in the Kansas City Chiefs this season. This is only going to go down in history as one of the greatest Chiefs teams of all time. This has a chance to go down as one of the greatest teams in the history of the NFL. And if you look at it, they have one loss right now. How many one-loss or no-loss teams are there in the history of the NFL? Very few. You know, I think that's something that not even the Patriots were able to go through their whole season with just one loss. They had the undefeated regular season and eventually led into the Super Bowl. We are entering that kind of talk with this Chiefs team right now. Yeah, they they are just like you said. They just and they're you know like you said. You just add another another quick little fact here that's just unbelievable that people don't realize that you know they actually have the highest um, margin of victory per game, which is just just wild because like you said, everybody oh they're not blowing teams out enough. Well, like you said, there's the Saints are a good football team. Everybody preseason were saying that this is a potential Super Bowl team. You know, this was a team that could challenge to win the Super Bowl in the NFL. And now obviously Breeze was coming back from injury, but um, you know, don't, <laughs> I don't want people to forget like how banged up the chiefs have been this year, you know, and obviously they lost Clyde late in that game, which was, you know, unfortunate, hopefully from everything we're hearing, it sounds like a better prognosis than originally um, suspected, which is good, but you know, their, their offensive line, I, I can't understate this enough. And I, I don't, I didn't fact check it. So don't hold me to these numbers. But I, I, if it's correct, the, the stat was that Aaron Rodgers on the year has been hit 20 times total. Patrick Mahomes was hit 11 times by the Saints defense. Like, put that in perspective, like what was going on. And it's not it's not that these guys aren't trying. Eric Fisher is probably about 50% out there. I mean, you could just tell anytime Trey Hendrickson went to go bull rush him, and we told you they have two good defensive ends that are going to give them fits. Well, when anytime Eric Fisher tried to anchor against that bull rush, you could just see his back and it just, he had no power. He had no strength. He couldn't, he, he was injured. He's injured. I mean, that's, he was gutting it out through injury. And then they're starting Wiley at tackle. Who's really 
probably their you know their third or second or third string guard. They have to move Wisniewski back in to guard, who they just signed off the street. Like this team is battling with some significant injuries, and and Mahomes erases a lot of those mistakes along the front. But man, what, I, I thought it was a pretty pretty gutsy performance up front for for the amount of injuries and, and stuff that they've been kind of dealing with. Yeah, and if you also take into consideration that the the Saints have two of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and they usually generate a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Trey Hendrickson, he had another good game from them up front. He was really the one that they had picking on Fisher most of the contest just because of his back, and he did get two sacks on the day. The Saints finished with three sacks. But still, you look at this makeshift offensive line the Chiefs had, you know one thing that they were actually able to do well, and I think that kind of helped slow down that Saints pass rush some? They did not do a horrendous job run blocking. Now, I think the Saints were probably in that we're selling out to stop the pass mode, but Le'Veon Bell and Clyde were able to get some major rips and some major gains in there just on some simple zone stuff, so that was positive to see. I think Wisniewski's definitely helping the run game. He got beat a little bit in pass pro early on. He's still probably, you know, he's also a guy he hasn't suited up since week one of this season full go when he was with the Steelers. And, you know, it was an injury that forced him out of that game has forced him to miss all this time. So he's still shaking off some rust right now. You know, Wiley, he fought at right tackle. He wasn't perfect. He He got Mahomes leveled a couple of times, gave up some speed rush but he was still fighting out there. It was actually him that got Cam Jordan ejected. And as a former offensive lineman myself, I can tell you that back injury that Eric Fisher was playing through, that's nothing to mess around with, especially when you get a big, strong, like a physical pass rusher like Trey Hendrickson, who's going to want to go with power moves and going to want to try to bore rush you in the face. It's just, it sucks to have to be able to hop, hop, and then anchor your feet into the ground to stop that because there's so much force on your back, and we don't know the extent of his injury right now. And I remember saying this when Mitchell Schwartz, when Mitchell Schwartz got hurt, and I've been saying it all this time, when offensive linemen hurt their back, that affects the entire way they have to play their game because you know it's those core muscles in the back that they really have to play with a lot of the time, especially when they're going against – especially when they're pass blocking – it was a gutsy performance. I hope we get to see more of it coming up, and I think people should just know something really quickly. This Chiefs team ran the ball for 179 yards with a makeshift offensive line. Now, it wasn't all the offensive line doing the work. Clyde was averaging 5.6 on 79 yards and 14 carries, and Le'Veon Bell had 15 carries for 62 yards. It sucks Clyde went down, but – you know, it's like you say, it's why they went and got Le'Veon Bell next man up. And, you know, and for that running back two unit, it's going to be Daryl Williams next man up also. So that unit is looking, I think that unit is starting to pick up at the right time, kind of like we saw last season. I was pleased with what I saw. They just got to keep fighting and they got to figure out a way to keep some of the pressure off of Mahomes as we go down the stretch. Yeah, they do. And, um, you know, for, for the run game, like you said, they were kind of the Saints were kind of inviting it, but it was also a case where the Chiefs were fighting and clawing with everything they had in the past game. The Saints were doing a good job defending. They were playing up in your face, physical man. They had the two safeties over the top helping. Um, they were cutting out every underneath route, especially in the first half. 
you know, and you saw the Chiefs come out and they made some good adjustments in the second half. They run some shallow crossers, trying to get some picks and stuff like that for some easier, quicker routes. But um, the Chiefs were battling in the pass game for everything that they could. So they needed to be able to run the, the ball effectively, and they and they were able to do so, which is which is huge in those instances because you think about it too. That game right there, that is that's a playoff type battle right there with two good football teams where everything isn't going to go perfect. You think about the things that went wrong for Kansas City in that game alone. Um, you know that, like I said, they were struggling in the pass game. They were dropping a lot of passes earlier, early in that in that game, and then Demarcus Robinson and I, I I I have a lot of words about that, but Demarcus Robinson on that punt return he runs backwards then he fumbles out of the back of the end zone should have been a touchdown for the Saints luckily um, when Anzalone tried to jump on it it went out the back of the end zone but I, I've seen about just enough of Demarcus Robinson on the field at this point um, he's kind of driving me nuts but you know the sack fumble gives up you know great field position for the Saints so they things did not go their way and they were able to find a way to get it done and you know what that that is what that's what good football teams do that's a great football team teams do when you don't have your B your a game can you win with your b game can you beat good teams with your b game now again patrick mahomes is the ultimate eraser because you know he made some throws and some plays that throw that he had on the sprint out to the back corner of the end zone for mccall hardman i mean that that was just that was unbelievable i thought he was throwing the ball out and then all of a sudden he's a perfect pass in the corner of the end zone to mccall hardman who i didn't even see coming so you know you're going to have to find ways to win. And I think one of the things they were able to do, like you said, was that run game that really kind of picked them up. But um, yeah, the Demarcus Robinson thing, that, that experiment, I, I'm ready for that to be over with after this year. Yeah. Demarcus Robinson has slowly become the Ben Neiman of the chiefs offense. And, you know, I know everyone wants to go and say he's a good blocker and he plays hard. Okay. That's fine. The, Wide receiver Sammy Watkins can block also, so he should be taking the majority of those reps now that Robinson was getting for some of those blocking downs, like we saw on the option later in the game in the fourth quarter to Bell. But you know, it's a, it's a, it's. I mean, it it comes true in every aspect of every close football game. What makes games close? Turnovers and special teams mistakes, and then there's turnovers, special teams mistakes that lead to turnovers, and. They got the safety, that's two points. And then the strip sack, well, that led to another seven points because the Chiefs defense had just gotten off the field. They hadn't barely had any time to rest, and that was getting ready to be a three and out anyway. So the least the offense could do was try to at least get a Tommy Townsend punt off to try to pin him deep. And it's a short field, and when you have weapons like the Saints, you know, it's hard to get mad at the Chiefs defense in that situation and backed up down there like that. Robinson is just he's so frustrating to watch because he's just he hasn't shown nearly as much explosiveness as I think people think he has because he's not nearly as explosive or as good as I think people thinks he is. You know, he's been in some situations the last couple of years where he's a taller wide receiver. So maybe like once every seven games, he'll get a good favorable matchup versus a smaller corner and he can just out athlete them for the ball kind of like he did last year. That's pretty much all we've seen out of it. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I just don't know how someone can sit there and consistently just run with the ball out and not put the ball away, but it's the running backwards on a punt. I'm like, dude, does he not realize that there was time on the clock and the chiefs had a couple of timeouts, you know, Pat's got 30 seconds, take a couple of shots downfield. 
that's just not knowing the situation, in my opinion. That is just not understanding the fact that, hey, we have a chance to go down and get in field goal range and get some points because these guys get the ball to start second half. We can try to go get something so they don't double up on us. And they came out and, you know, that mistake was killer. I've got to be done with this whole Demarcus Robinson thing also. He's just driving me crazy at this point. And you know what? I can put up with McCole Hardman's mistakes because every time McCole Hardman messes up, he seems to go out and do something spectacular to make it up. Whenever Robinson messes up, it takes a few games before we see him make a nice play again. So now that Sammy Watkins is back, he should be filling that blocking role and McCole Hardman should be getting those reps in the passing game. Yeah, and to to kind of build off that, because I was going to kind of go in the same direction was is that, you know, he went from making a smart play on that punt return. So the punt was bad, if you recall, and it was rolling. So he's pointing at it, you know, telling people poison, poison, get away from the ball, um, which is good. And then he sees, okay, this ball is going to keep rolling. I can get this before anyone gets to me. And he should have said, I can get this and then just get down, save the yardage, save the time. But instead he got, you know, he, he scooped up the ball and he's trying to make some heroic, crazy play. The problem is, is that th- this is such a consistent thing with him. So to, to me, some of the blame also lies with the coaches and I'm not, you know, here to kill, kill the coaches or, or even the players, but you know, part of the analysis is got to be critical uh, of these situations. And like you said, that's situational football that, that needs to be said when he's coming on the field, Dave tube needs to be going, Hey, unless you have something wide open, this needs to be a fair catch. You know, we have time, we have timeouts, we need, you know, we have Patrick Mahomes in the best scoring offense the NFL has probably ever seen. Um, let's not do anything stupid. That needs to be said from your coaches coming onto the field. And then the, the other part is, is what, when is somebody on the coaching staff going to tell him whether it's receiving the ball or whether it's on a punt return, for, for, for goodness sakes, tuck the football away and stop running backwards. Nothing good comes of it. We've seen now multiple times in critical situations him doing that, and it costing Kansas City in some some fashion. So to me, this has got to be addressed in, in the, uh, from the coaching standpoint, from the wide receiver coaches all the way up to Biennemi, to, to Andy Reid, to those guys, because, and you know what, and if it's not going to be them, then Mahomes or somebody in that offense needs to say, yo, like, chill. Like, you got to stop running backwards and put the freaking ball away. Like, it's so it's such it's just bad football. It's bad football that's already cost them multiple times, and I and, and it, I'm telling you, if he does it again, it could cost him even in, in a more critical situation, like in the playoffs, where those mistakes the, the the mistakes are even more crucial, right? That fine line in the playoffs becomes even finer because you and the, everybody's good in the playoffs. Everything is is more um, important. Every play counts even more. So those are the things that you really do need to address. He needs to to be coached up pretty hard on that and and disciplined or something, because it's been pretty consistent and it's been a bad habit that goes even back into last year. I remember him doing it. So, but yeah, like you said, drives me nuts. Um, need to, need to get it figured out for sure. Uh, Offensively, otherwise, you got anything else offensively before we we kind of switch over to defense? Um, you know, just again, we could talk about Mahomes every single game because of how spectacular it is and some of the throws he made. I mean, he he finished the game with two hundred fifty something yards passing and three touchdowns, which is just like a whole hum game for him. But he was he made some unbelievable plays. Yeah, he absolutely that one. Uh, the pass to Watkins. 
where he just kind of danced around back there and got free from Cam Jordan, delivered that dart, the uh, outside pass to Tyree Hill, which the cornerback didn't even think he could possibly attempt to throw. Hill with the outstanding diving catch, and you know, it doesn't seem like he did a lot, but Travis Kelsey with a quiet eight receptions for 68 yards and one big touchdown pass there. He makes the average, you know, he that was a quiet game for him. You know, for some tight ends, that's their best game of the season. So we should never take what he does for granted. It wasn't the ungodly numbers that we've seen. I'm not too unthrilled with it because I might be going to the Chiefs game this weekend, and I would love to see Travis Kelsey shatter the tight end receiving record this weekend. So I wasn't too upset about not seeing it this weekend. Yeah, he's going to have a good chance, <laughs> and that's pretty sweet that uh, you might be in attendance for it. And I think this is actually, I want to say it's either the first time in history or it's got to be one of the very few times in history that um, a receiver has gone seven straight games in a row with eight eight or more catches. Never done by a tight end before, I'm pretty sure, with Travis Kelsey, like you just mentioned there. So just, again, we're talking about all these records. Well, there there's another one right there for Kelsey. Um, but let's switch gears here and let's let's go over to the defensive side of the ball. And I thought, you know, what what a good performance really overall by the defense. Now, we talked about the nine points that they kind of gave up, but that was more of the safety, the the strip sack that gave them a super short field. So they were putting some bad positions there. So really, you know, maybe we'll put like 20 points on them and and they held them in check pretty much the whole game other than. You know, Tyron Matthew in cover two got caught peeking and wanted to try to make a play um, on the out route there uh, and got beat deep. But um, a good performance, but go another, you know, and we're going to go back to it. And I, I I said I wasn't going to, but at this point, it's just I can't even wrap my head around why Ben Neiman is playing so much and why Willie Gay is playing so little. Another game, Damian Wilson not in the game. In another game that not only did that Ben Neiman play more than Willie Gay, Ben Neiman played more steps than any linebacker that the Chiefs had. Um, Mind-blowing to me. And let me just read these stats for you. Um, PFF for everybody out there, take it for what it's worth. I'm not, and I've mentioned this multiple times, not a, I'm not a huge PFF guy, um, but it does give some context. So the last two games um, for the Chiefs linebackers, so weeks 14 and week 15, Willie Gay, 88.2 overall grade, 90.4 coverage grade on 29 snaps. Ben Neiman, 56.5 overall, 49.1 in coverage, 122 snaps. Anthony Hitchens, 29.5 overall grade, 29.3 in coverage on 78 snaps. I, I really, at this point, I really don't, I don't know. I don't even know what to say anymore. I don't know either. I decided last week I'm done with it. I'll say this, though. We saw Willie Gay drop back into pass coverage one time, and he made a really good play, and he batted a pass. I don't think Hitchens played nearly as terrible as they claim he did, and I'm not even going to talk about the other guy because I said last week I'm not going to get into it either, so I'm just going to throw it back over to you, but at least we have one rookie that we let just off the chain and let play, like you mentioned earlier, Mr. Legereus Sneed. You know, I know some people might have said, 
oh, he could just be like another like Marcus Cooper or another like Marcus Peters, you know, comes out and has a really good, strong rookie season, and then he just doesn't do anything. He is so much different than any cornerback we have had in my lifetime in Kansas City. He has the potential, I think, to be the best cornerback that anyone of my age or closer has even come remotely close to seeing for the fact that he can, one, he is an explosive athlete. He can track the ball. He knows when to take the ball away, and he's a physical freaking football player, and he's not afraid to wrap up and make a tackle. So I'm bypassing all these linebacker questions because I'm done with it. Yeah, that's fair. It's probably better for our health that way because we really don't have the answers and we'll probably never know. But to your point with Legereus Sneed, I think I saw somewhere that, you know, he obviously he gave up that uh, touchdown reception, um, but he still only gave up like a passer rating of 39.6, giving up a touchdown. That's that's how good he was. That's how good he was for the rest of the time. He gave up a touchdown and the passer rating was still that bad when thrown against him. Um, like we talked about before, the three three passes defended, the sack, uh, the interception. I mean, the guy is just all over the field. I, I would expect next year to for him to be cornerback one in Kansas City. I mean, I, I would think that he would bump out and he would be that shutdown guy on the outside. Um, and, and it's I, really the way that those corners have played as of late, they're really starting to kind of come into their own. And I think a lot of that too is, you know, Tyron Matthews starting to play like he did last year. I think that Juan Thornhill and Daniel Sorensen are starting to get um, back into the form that they were in, they were last year. But a lot of it too is just because the, you have Snead that just takes away so many problems on the inside. He can play in the slot, and he's just so dominant there um, that it really can help these guys out. But Bashaw Breeland, he had another good game, almost had a pick. Uh, Traverius Ward had a, another pretty good game. So all three of these guys are playing, and in, in they're they're asked to play physical man coverage and they were they especially were um against the saints on sunday so quite a performance by everybody in the, in that secondary and i i'm really interested to kind of see what happens with the secondary for next year because we're playing we're not paying any of them pretty much anything i think the most expensive right now is 2.7 million and that's breland so we're pretty much have uh paying the rest of these guys peanuts i, I don't know if they're going to try to re resign ward Resigned Breland. What do you what do you think that they go? What direction they go in the secondary with these guys? Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ward is a restricted free agent, so I assume they're going to want him back, and I assume he'll want to come back. Also, I know he struggled early in the season. A lot of people were talking about that, but you know he's been having dealing with that hand issue, which was a little more severe than we thought, and now we're kind of starting to. Uh, get into that rhythm he's I think he's starting to get back into his rhythm and getting that confidence back so that's fine and you know we've Brett Veach knows and Spags know and Andy Reid know they know how talented he is when he is on I can see the Chiefs wanting to let Breland walk I they probably will let him walk because his asking price will probably be too high and in which case they'll probably have to move Fenton back into more of that slot role, which he hasn't been terrible at this year. He hasn't even he's been above average for that, I would say. And they'll probably bump out uh Sneed because Sneed's still on that rookie deal, which is looking real big for the Chiefs right now. So, and you know, I still think there's an outside possibility we could see the Chiefs try to pick up a corner. And you know, we still have a guy like uh 
Bo Pete Keys on the roster. We've seen very little out of this year. I know he's a late round draft pick, hasn't really been active too much. This is kind of his redshirt season. So hopefully the whole COVID situation's over next year and they get a full year of OTAs, mini camp and preseason games so they can have more time to evaluate him. I can still see them drafting someone or even going out and signing another depth piece. I don't but I do not think Breland will be back next year. Yeah, I don't really see Breland being back next year either. Um the uh, the other person that has been kind of thrown into the mix here is DeAndre Baker who they signed a few weeks ago, and he actually saw seven snaps all on special teams this past game. But that'll be interesting to kind of see what he does um, moving forward with them because he, they had they had pretty sure that they have him for the next three years now. So if, if he's another one, if if they can get him in, to be at all productive, even into the sense if he's as productive as Traverius Ward or something like that for the, the cost that they got him for, I mean, what another – home run signing by Brad Veach, that would be. Um, he obviously was a highly touted guy out of Ohio State when the Giants drafted him. Uh, I, I would you know, I would think that if he can be anything that they thought he was going to be coming out of college, it would be another steal. His athletic profile isn't something that, that I thought that the Chiefs would really look for, so um, it'll be interesting to see how, how he kind of fits in there. But like I said, if he turns out to be halfway decent, and he could go down as another absolute home run steal by Brett Veach. Yeah, and one of the things that I saw a lot from Baker just in the little bit of film is I saw a guy that was very, very, He's kind. Of, he was just more or less playing with a lot of talent when he was coming out of college. I actually think he was a Georgia guy, but he had a ton of talent. And, you know, he's a physical player. He's played a lot of footballs at, at, at where he went to college at. So that was one of the things that probably attracted Brett Beach. You know, it's hard to judge anyone how they play on a poor football team because I think we've seen that good examples all around the NFL. You know, whenever there's like someone that's a practice squad somewhere else, a practice squad some guy somewhere else like Charvarius Ward, with the Cowboys, you know, maybe not even a roster guy, and all of a sudden you get him in Kansas City, you get him around the right people, you get him in the right atmosphere, and all of a sudden he's going out and making plays for you on a consistent basis. I think culture plays a factor into that that people don't even begin to think of, and I think that the Chiefs probably right now have the best team culture of anyone in the NFL. So I think it's good that they're kind of sprinkling in Baker on the special teams. I still don't see him making much of an impact in the secondary down the line here. I will say this, if we win this week and the Steelers happen to lose or something along those lines, that week against the Chargers coming up here in about two weeks, not wanting to look ahead too much, that could be a big week for guys like him or for some of the younger guys because you better believe if the Chiefs have a chance to only play the starters maybe a half and be conservative and then maybe let some younger guys go out there and play and rest everyone up. You best believe they're going to try to be doing that. Yeah, for sure. And I think I said Ohio State, but it is Georgia. I was just thinking Ohio State because I read that thing how Dabo Sweeney put Ohio State like 12th in his rankings, and I thought that was pretty hilarious um, if you didn't see that for the college football rankings. I system. saw it. Did you see that? And now they have to play each other yeah. in the in the playoffs. That's, that, that is – pretty hysterical um but yeah so you know you're right and that'll be interesting to see you know 
I don't We're recording this right now and the Bengals Steelers game is about to kick off. Maybe the Bengals can pull the upset of the year and take the Steelers down and uh, we'll see what happens, but I doubt that. So, uh, but the Steelers do have two tough games in the Browns and the Colts. So they could lose either of those games and that would just kind of solidify Kansas city spot as that one seed. Um, it, it coming up here, the chiefs have the Falcons. So the Falcons <laughs> in true Falcons fashion, let up another big lead. I think they were up 27 to 10 or something like that. And of course, Tom Brady was on the other side of it, just like the Super Bowl. And the Bucs came back and beat them. The Falcons, you know, they're not a very good football team. Um, they do have some weapons on the offensive side of the ball and Calvin Ridley. Obviously, Julio's been banged up, so I don't know if he's going to be playing for them. Against the Chiefs, Todd Gurley is a shadow of his former self. And I think Perry, uh, you know, who's their coach? Now, uh, Raheem Morris, right? I think it's Raheem Morris is their interim head coach. But he has said that um, Ido Smith is going to be the lead back moving forward, which is just insane. But um, defensively, also not great. They they do pressure a little bit. And if you watch the first game, half of that Bucks game, man, they, they were beating the crap out of Brady in that first half. So Chiefs are going to have to be ready for that those pressure packages, um, maybe max protect, maybe get some tight ends and backs in there chipping and helping, quick pass game, stuff like that, you know, that we've kind of been used to seeing here these past few weeks. But this is another game. I think they're 10.5-point favorites. I would expect them to come out and really kind of take care of business and, and coast to a victory here. Yeah, they're going to have to get in there and get a body on Grady Jarrett because he's having a pretty good season. And I think the reason they – one of the reasons – I think some of their past stats are a little overblown just because if you also look at it, they're the, one of the teams in the NFL. You know, they play the likes of the Saints and the Buccaneers and also other teams this year that have really liked to air the ball out. Um, they've. I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering correctly, the stats said that – Team, they're like teams are averaging the most passes a game on them, and I think that's because they have a pretty poor secondary. So I'm sure they just decided at some point we can't cover anybody. Our only chance is to just try to get pressure. That's where some of that is coming from, and you know they have talented guys up front. Grady Jarrett's a really talented football player. I think he's going to have a chance to make an impact on the game if the Chiefs let him. If the Chiefs come out and play their game then I think that it should be an easy role. You know, Matt Ryan, he played a pretty solid game this week against the Buccaneers, but it wasn't enough for them to be able to hold on. Well, I like to think that the Chiefs defense is better than the Buccaneers defense, and they'll be able to heat him up. Um, Calvin Ridley will be an interesting matchup for the Chiefs to have to stop defensively. I think that they just go back to the old formula and just let Breland take him, let Ward take him, let Sneed take him. Just play that man defense and, you know, maybe provide some help over the top with a Thornhill, who I thought Juan Thornhill when he was in actually is starting to look like he's getting back to full health also. It'll be interesting. Hopefully I'm able to be in attendance to the game. You know, you never know in the COVID kind of situation whether the deal is on the game. I get a little bit of cold feet about it, but I would love to be able to go out there because I think it could be a tremendous day for the Chiefs offense because I don't see anyone in their secondary that can match Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey. 
Me neither. It should be another big game for them. And it's a it's a game where um, if you've seen it floating around Twitter, everybody's kind of comparing the numbers for Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in common games. And right now Mahomes has about 400 more yards and I think three or four more touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 4-0 record against the four common opponents they have right now. The Falcons will be the fifth common opponent common opponent that they've had, and he can really go out there and kind of dominate um, those numbers to a point where it, it's really it's getting tough to argue against Mahomes for the MB, MVP race, especially after you know you watched Aaron Rodgers go for what, 143 yards passing against the Panthers defense that was not very good, and they only scored three points in the second half. So. Um, it's really where he could start to really put the nail in the coffin for that for that second MVP in his only you know his third year starting, which is just again crazy. But I, I like the Chiefs again to win big against these Falcons team. I, I do think, like you mentioned, you know if Grady Jarrett's there and fully healthy and ready to go, he'll be somebody that you obviously gotta you gotta watch out for. Um, he is very quick. He's not. A super big guy, but he is very quick, very short, very stout to the ground. So he he'll be kind of everywhere for them. Deion Jones is another good player for him on the defensive side of the ball that they like to blitz or whatever. But like you said, they just don't have enough guys to match up for all these offensive weapons. Um, just as of note, too, um, the Chiefs will be bringing in Elijah McGuire for a workout running back. He was with the Chiefs for a little bit. He'll probably come in and be the Chiefs' third fourth guy because they'll still have bell they'll still have daryl williams they'll still have darwin thompson and then he would be that fourth running back for them um any closing thoughts man we're getting close to christmas here any uh any big plans for for christmas or new year's uh i have no big plans for christmas or new year's especially not this year um, I just like to say the Chiefs could be down 40 to nothing against the Falcons with eight minutes left to play, and I would still take the Chiefs to win by two touchdowns against this Falcons team. Yeah, I think that with the Falcons track record, um, I would think I probably would do the same if I'm being honest with you. But yeah, um, all right. I think that uh, that's going to be it for tonight, man. This is a good show. Chiefs are Chiefs are two two victories away from a – 15 and one season, which I Googled really quick. And I, I don't know, there was a couple different articles, but it could be the only, it's only happened, I think six times in NFL history where a team's gone 15 and one. So don't quote me on that. It was a real quick Google search on my part while you were talking. So that would be something to see the, this chiefs team coming off of a Super Bowl victory, you know, talk about no Super Bowl hangover 15 and one and, and, and getting the first seed and trying to run it back would be absolutely crazy. Yeah, it would be absolutely unreal. And with the Chiefs starting to get the injury bug, I think that makes the bye week all that more important. This game is not the must-win game, but if the Chiefs could really just go out and take care of business and hopefully the Steelers lose one more and the Chiefs can just kind of slide in and not really have to show too much, not get everyone even more healthy, kind of basically get everyone two weeks freshened up and ready to go, for that first playoff game and get the film study going early, that would be ideal by a long shot. The regular season has been, it's been crazy. It's been wild. It's been weird. And there's only two more weeks of it left. And then everything, like we said earlier in the show is under the, underneath the microscope. 
It's magnified more. Every play matters a hundred times more because, you know, this isn't hockey. This isn't baseball. This isn't basketball. Once you lose once, there's no going back. You're done. You're done. That's, that is for sure. And isn't it crazy when we started this thing, it feels like forever ago and we're now it's only, we have, we're two weeks until the regular season's over. I can't, I can't even believe how fast it was, what it's gone. It's been, it's been pretty wild when you think about it. Cause we've been here saying, you know, it's week one, trying to run it back, all this new stuff. And now it's where we we're, we're in week 16, trying to close out another incredible year for this, for this chiefs team. But it's been a, been a heck of a ride. So why don't you tell everybody what you've been working on and where they can find you? All right, guys, you can find me on Twitter as always at CJ Scoobs. I do another podcast called the chiefs take podcast. You can go check that out. Follow at chiefs take on Twitter. I do that with a couple of friends of mine. And uh, I'm also going to be posting some film review later this evening as we talk on this Monday night. So you guys should see all that by Tuesday. I'm going to write about some of the incredible throws Patrick Mahomes had. I'm going to write a little bit about Legereus Sneed this week. And if I get time for it, I'm going to write about the Chiefs being able to run the ball effectively on a very good New Orleans front. Uh, thanks uh, Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to throw it back over to Justin and let him close everything out now. Yeah, you guys can find me at jdiz1617 on Twitter. I'll have my power rankings out on Wednesday. Um, make sure you're heading over to Arrowhead Live. You can find oh, a ton of articles, a ton of podcasts. There's something there for everybody, for, for all you Chiefs fans out there. So make sure you're going over there, checking that out. There's also the merchandise shop out there, some sweet merch out there. It says run it back, all this stuff and cool stuff like that. So make sure you're checking that stuff out. Um, you can also find me on Twitter for my other site for the podcast that we do at Ball and Over. That's a sports, you know, mostly it is only NFL, NFL betting, DFS, season log fantasy. So I know a lot of people are are winding down for your season log fantasy, but the nice thing is if you're into DraftKings, that'll go all the way into the playoffs. So we have a lot of fun with that. So you'll have to check that out again. That's Ball and Over beers. You can check that out. Um, But we appreciate you being here, guys. Like we said, we only got two weeks left in the regular season. So this has been a heck of a ride. Kansas City just got another big win over the New Orleans Saints, and they're gearing up for a matchup against the Atlanta Falcons that me and Caleb both think that should be uh, another W for Chiefs and the Chiefs kingdom. But we appreciate everybody being here, guys. Make sure that you you know stay safe, stay healthy, have an incredible Christmas, however you're able to celebrate that. I know for a lot of people it's going to look a lot different this year, including myself. Um, but I hope it's a I hope it's a merry one and it's a good one for everybody out there, guys. We'll talk to you later. To the Chiefs Kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Woo! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!